Well, welcome again, everybody. And uh, <coughs> I know Jim. <coughs> excuse me. You might give me some water, honey. Or, uh, or Jim, maybe give me a bottle of water, would you? See, I know Jim's juggling a lot. He's. Uh, I think Jim's got to go help with the chili here now. But. Uh, Thank you guys for joining us online. It's good to see everybody. And <clears throat> I was talking with a uh, young man yesterday from really one of our sister churches, and uh, <clears throat> they they were having to, uh, you know, stop one of their ministries. They just didn't have enough people, and some of it's COVID related. I, I think their church was running about a hundred people before COVID, and. He acted like a good Sunday now with 50 people, and so anyway, he, he was just kind of discouraged. And anyway, I, in spite of everything, I feel like our church is kind of on a growth growth spurt, and people like Sarah's coming back into our midst, and so that that really encourages us, Sarah. Just so you know, you you are an encouragement, and and you know he he was a young guy that I was talking to, but he just. You know, he's been having his hand to the plow for five or ten years himself, and he was, I could just tell he was kind of discouraged, you know. And so, anyway, uh, it just makes you thankful for what uh, the Lord's doing here. Give me my Bible there. <clears throat> but uh, let's all turn to Isaiah 45 shorter chapters in this book by 45 <clears throat> Egypt and we may try to get the date but uh, some of our story begins uh, back here with Nineveh but uh, chapter 45 and kind of get a running start here this morning Um, the word that Jeremiah the prophet spake unto Baruch the son of Neriah when he had written these words in a book at the mouth of Jeremiah in the fourth year of Jehoiakim the son of Josiah king of Judah saying Uh, Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, unto thee, O Baruch, thou didst say, Woe is me now, for the Lord hath added grief to my sorrow. I fainted in my sighing, and I find no rest. 
Thus shalt thou say unto him, The Lord saith thus, Behold, that which I have built will I break down, and that which I have planted I will pluck up, even this whole land. And seekest thou great things for thyself? Seek them not. For behold, I will bring evil upon all flesh, saith the Lord. But thy life will I give unto thee for a prey in all places whither thou goest. And this first verse here about Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, a king of uh, Judah, <clears throat> this takes us back to around the time. Let me let me get this started here. There's several little dates in here I want us to see different things that happened. When we were I think this this was probably I'm just gonna say around five eighty. These are all BC numbers. But when I was in Israel uh, Luke and I went with a group back in uh, November and December of 2019. Uh, but anyway, I remember the, the, our tour guide, it was like our first day. So we had two buses of Americans with 47 Americans on each bus. And, you know, we're just driving through. Uh, we're, on, we're on a bus from Tel Aviv. That's... Uh, the old city Joppa in our Bible was right there at Tel Aviv. And Tel Aviv has kind of been, uh, our tour guide said it's the, it's the sin city of Israel, is Tel Aviv. It's very modern, and uh, uh, he called it sin city. But he, he, mentioned, he mentioned this date uh, while we were on the bus ride. Uh, 286 or 287 was uh, when his people were taken into captivity, Babylonian captivity. 587. What did I say? 287. 587, yeah. And uh, so that that was when uh, Zedekiah, the last king, was taken captive. And remember, they put his eyes out after he killed his children in front of him. And but uh, what we're reading here today, this in verse one, this fourth year of Jehoiakim, <clears throat> this was around around here. That's that's close, Jehoiakim, uh, <clears throat> and and what I thought was interesting, it mentions Josiah. Josiah was one of the last, or he was the last good king that Judah had. He tried to tear down the idols and he tried to bring Judah back from idolatry, uh, but. Uh, this is the year he was killed, but it, so it says in the fourth year of Jehoiakim. Uh, so it, it was four years after Josiah. Th- this was, he he actually died in Megiddo. And what? Uh, 
What's famous about that? Megiddo, what is, does that ring a bell to anybody? That, that is uh, the valley of Megiddo. It's the valley of Armageddon. We've all heard of Armageddon. That uh, Megiddo was a town, uh, and we went to the ruins of it when we were there. And uh, that's probably the last time I heard Mark Trotter preach. We were his back was to the valley, so we we were all sitting at the top of this ridge. They had kind of some benches set up, and you could overlook the valley of Armageddon. And uh, he was saying, you know, behind me, the kings of the... And he was describing the battle of Armageddon, and we're sitting there looking at the valley. And uh, but, but this is where Josiah was... He met his doom. Uh, in fact, I gave you the references there. <clears throat> Let me see. Uh, let's look at the Second Kings 23. Hold your place here. I think that's the one we want to look at. Yeah, 2 Kings 23. Yeah, I wish I could take you there. It was a lot bigger than I thought because when I went to Israel, the Bouchers had gone there a few years before me and they commented on how small things were in perspective you know when we're in the United States we might you know drive six hours to get to the middle of Kansas well you drive six hours in Israel and you're kind of from one end of the country to the other almost so in that way it is close together but there's still a a lot of open land and this this valley of Megiddo I try to see if it sorry for you Online, folks, you may not be able to see this. I don't know if anybody can see this word Megiddo right here. But but there's kind of a, a valley. <clears throat> and uh, I've heard that it's uh, up to 150 miles long. And it's hard to see that because Israel's only about 70 miles wide. But Megiddo kind of, it, it's a long... And uh, you, you can't you can't quite see Carmel there, but th- this was the highlight of to me one of the highlights of uh, you can wait of of our trip because it was like the second day, and you know I'm with my son, and we're we're in Israel, and it's like this is like you know I've been studying the Bible for 25, 30 years, and been in church all my life, and so now I'm. So that day we're going to Mount Carmel, and and uh, Mount Carmel is where Elijah took on the prophets of Baal. And so, you know, for an hour or so we're we're driving, you know, from uh, hey Brian. So for an hour or so we're driving in this bus, and there's kind of mountains to the side of us, and they're bigger mountains than I thought because you know we think of the rocky mountains but but these were mountains you know bigger than the ozarks and but uh, so we kind of we're on this windy trail we're kind of going up the hill and there's trees and and we get up there and you can't really quite see but you walk up at mount carmel is 
uh, at one end of of the Valley of Megiddo. So you you can see so that but then we drove another however far to the town of Megiddo. So. Uh, but I, I wanted to kind of bring you to the kind of the height of what I experienced, because at each of these uh, at each of these historical spots, uh, our preachers, uh, you know, Alan Shelby, Mark Trotter, and here at, at Mount Carmel. Sam Miles gave a message and he talked about how God used Elijah to defeat the prophets of Baal. So so we're sitting here listening to Sam Miles on Mount Carmel talk about Elijah the prophet and how God used Elijah to defeat the prophets of Baal. And the Jews have erected a statue there of Elijah with a sword in his hand. I mean, this is a, a big deal. It's uh, you know, there, there's a big platform and uh, a bigger than life size of Elijah. And what what I didn't know uh, is that uh, if you remember the story of Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Elijah sends his servant to the top of the mountain and said something like, see if you see any rain coming. And he went up like seven times, and like the seventh time he went up, he saw uh, a little mist or a cloud coming. Uh, but but uh, So the Jews, although they built a statue of Elijah there with a sword in his hand, they also built a kind of a viewing deck on top of Mount Carmel. And on one side, you can see the Valley of Armageddon. And on the other side, in the distance, on a, on a good day, you can see the Mediterranean Sea. And that's where his servants saw the cloud coming out of the sea. And it started to rain that day after three and a half years of drought. So, you know, God defeated the prophets of Baal and he gave these people rain. But it, it was just so emotional, like we're standing on this platform I'm there with my son it's like this is what we read about Luke in the Bible and, and I, I wept there like a baby on that day uh, so anyway uh, <clears throat> but what we're talking about guys we're in 2nd Kings 23 uh, this valley of Megiddo uh, historically there's a, a town called Megiddo and there's a valley there and uh that is that is in Revelation what they call the where the Battle of Armageddon takes place. Megiddo is short for uh, Armageddon. So Second Kings twenty three. There's a story where where uh, Josiah gets killed, and in verse thirty six it says. Jehoiakim was 20 and 5 years old when he began to reign and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem and his mother's name was Zebudan the daughter of Penida of Ruma and he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father had done and then look at 2418 uh, the next chapter 2418 Zedekiah was 21 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Habutal, the daughter of Jeremiah of Lebna. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, according uh, 
to all that Jehoiakim had done. Now, uh, I was thinking that was where it mentioned Josiah, so forgive me there. I didn't get uh, Josiah. I read about it this week, so I, I didn't quite get it there. But uh, so, so this guy, Jehoiakim, he, he reigned 11 years. And uh, Zedekiah also reigned 11 years. And there was a couple more in there, <clears throat> uh, b- between there. <clears throat> but uh, anyway, uh, we're, we're trying to get a little bit of history in here with, with uh, and, and we'll, we'll bring that out. But look, look at your handout here today. The, the reason I think he brings up Jehoiakim is because... Uh, he has this flashback about Baruch and uh, if you remember Baruch was the scribe that wrote Jeremiah's words and he's credited for uh, writing the book of Jeremiah Uh, you know Jeremiah spoke it and Baruch wrote it down so he was a ready scribe and uh Turn back to Jeremiah 45 now, if you would. Jeremiah 45. Did you notice in verse 3 where it says, Thou didst say, Woe is me, for the Lord hath added grief to my sorrow. I fainted in my sighing, and I find no rest. Uh, I kind of highlighted on that you know in the New Testament the the Bible says that uh, not to be weary in well doing it says for we shall reap if we faint not and then uh, uh, Pam Anderson would you you look up uh, Isaiah for me there's a couple of verses I kind of connected here. It's uh, Isaiah, I think it's 3041. This is kind of a famous 4031. 40, Who said that? Oh, I am dyslexic today. I don't, I don't know why I'm just off a little. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Yeah, thank you. Yeah, 30 years ago today, I was uh, when I got saved. Um, some of you know I worked with Royal Sloggenbush. Uh, Royal Sloggenbush is the guy that led me to the Lord. You guys probably don't know him, but he, him and his wife are, are members here, but uh, his wife's kind of a little bit ill, and uh, they're being really cautious about COVID. But... Um, Anyway, uh, we had helped them move. I, I worked with Royal, and so I knew where he lived. I knew there was something different about that guy. And uh, he took his Bible to work, and he prayed over his food, and even at work in front of everybody, and that was just kind of odd to me. But uh, so when we were having marital trouble and financial trouble, and I just kind of called him on the phone one night, and uh, start telling him all my problems and he just kind of cut me off he said Steve do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior I was like no I don't know what you mean 
and he asked if I'd come to his house. So I went to his house about 11 o'clock on the on the 13th of March back in 92 and he went through mostly things I knew had hurt all my life but you know when he get to he just went through the plan of salvation with me and uh, you know you get to Romans 10 verse 9 is what really struck me that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead thou shalt be saved and because he's like that's how, that's how you receive the gift because he asked me if I wanted to receive the gift of eternal life I said yeah I do and he's like this is how you do it and I'm like whoa you know I, I believe but I guess I've never confessed with my mouth and so we knelt by his couch there in uh, Peculiar and uh, gave my life to the Lord and it changed me forever so hope, hopefully you have a testimony similar to that and so yeah, that, so it might have been a little bit after midnight. So it might have been the 14th, but I always say the 13th. But uh, anyway, God restored our marriage, and uh, He can He can fix everything, can He? So uh, <clears throat> anyway, uh, so what I had you put in your blanks, I, I kind of connected these two verses that we will we will. We will not faint. You know, we're not to be weary in well doing. So we shall reap if we faint not. And the way the the way that we don't faint, uh, Pam, you want to read those that verse thirty one. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. So faints mentioned in that verse too. Uh, but it's it, we won't faint if we wait upon the Lord. If, if we if we do things His way and His time, and we we've said before, and none none of us like to wait. We're, we're not patient, and we, you know, I lived before we had microwaves. But you ever find yourself waiting on a microwave? And at our at our business, we have automatic doors. You you have to badge. And the door will open itself. They they did a lot of that so you don't have to touch things. And, you know, I find myself, it's hard to wait on the door to open by itself. It's like I just want to push it open. So none of us like to wait. But wait also has to do with, like, being a waiter or a waitress, right? It's it's like you're you're actively serving while you're waiting. So, you know, you don't have to just go in the corner of the church and wait and twiddle your thumbs while you wait for God to show you what to do just you know become a servant get active and say you know God can I get you a napkin would you like for me to fill your water Lord just uh, let me serve you while I'm waiting on you show me what to do next you know so uh, anyway uh, what I gained from these first five verses uh, is right at the end of verse five, <clears throat> because we 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 find today that as because I was really wondering, you know, God, why, why are you writing chapter forty five? You know your your people are down here in Egypt, and why are you reminding? It did, this this chapter just seemed out of place at first, but but there's a word right at the end of verse five, 
it says in verse 5 let's just read verse 5 again uh, Emmett would you read verse 5 and seekest thou great things for thyself seek them not for behold I will bring evil upon all parts saith the Lord yeah, so I think God is telling Jeremiah, remember how I saved you and Baruch? Because when Baruch helped preserve the words, remember they, they threw Jeremiah in a pit and they, were, they, they tried to get rid of Baruch. And so Jeremiah... He's bringing up this story of God's deliverance. Remember how God delivered Baruch and I in the past? Well, we're down here in Egypt, and God's bringing the Babylonians to kill us and the Egyptians because we we worship false idols again. And so he's reminding them of God's deliverance. And he's like, the Lord is going to give you your life for a prey. Wherever you go, God is there for you, and he will deliver you. And, and that was uh, my teaching point that, that Emmett read. It, it's, it, it uses the word seek. And so my teaching point is make sure we're seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And uh, God will protect us wherever we're at. And I remember listening to, a, and he was, you know, probably a 50-year-old missionary when I heard him. Uh, I think it was Brother Chapman. And I can't even remember what country he went to, but uh, that was back before, I mean, I think he kind of bought a one-way ticket on a boat to go to some country. And so this was 25 years ago, and he was 50-something then. And uh, I remember him telling his mother, his mother was so worried about him going to this foreign mission field, and she may never see him again. And he told her something like, Mom, I am safer in this country surrounded by uh, the enemies of God if I'm there by his will than I am at home in the shower outside of the word of God or something like that. He's like, you know, I, I would be, it would be more dangerous for me to be at home outside the will of God than to be in this foreign country in the will of God. And so I, I think that's what Jeremiah is telling Baruch and the people there that are with them. Like, yeah, we've worshipped idols, but we can repent, we can turn, and God will protect us no matter where we're at. Any, any other thoughts about that? Yeah. On 45, I read uh, Mark Trotter's notes on this chapter. Oh, yeah? And he uh, drew out of it that, and you mentioned it a little bit, Abedmelech was the eunuch that lived in the king's house. Yeah. That, uh, Abedmelech and Baruch are the only two people in Jeremiah's 40 years of uh, ministry uh. who responded. They listened. Uh, to you know God's warning, and they made a positive step. Hmm. So it was just those two. But with Baruch, he, uh, you know, he listened, but he only thought of himself. Huh. 
you know, how it was affecting him. <clears throat> and so Trotter said, we, as Christians, we have to be sure that when we see the destruction and the sin and, and how it's just rampant all around us, not to be bothered because, you know, we hate it and, huh. you know, we want it to go away. Not to be bothered because of the way it's affecting us, huh. but the way it's affecting God. How God, is, huh. you know, He grieves that. He, you know, God yeah. grieves that and God is sad for hmm. the state. And, uh, That's good. And we make choices uh, that don't um, lift God up. Uh, you know, we want the sin to go away, but, you know, are we hurting about the things that hurts God? I think it was you that posted, you know, we think of how gas prices are affecting us, but we don't think about the people in Ukraine. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. That's a good thought. Anybody else? Not not just to not just to think of how something's going to affect me, but yeah, you know Jer- Jeremiah did a tough road. It, it was rocky soil, and not many people heeded his warning. But you know, he did what God told him to do, and even if he just had Baruch and Elimelech that we we know by name. You know we're we're still benefiting from his writings today. So uh, the Lord did spare Baruch. He did spare a remnant of people out of this group that was down in Egypt. But uh, now let's look at uh, somebody. Brian, do you want to read the first four verses of chapter forty-six? Yes. The word of the Lord, which came. Prophet against the Gentiles, against Egypt, against the army of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, which was by the river Euphrates, and Sarkemish, which Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, smote in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah. Forty ye the buckler and shield, and draw near to battle. Harness the horses and get up, ye horsemen, and stand forth with your helmets, furbish the spears, and put on the brigandines. Uh, Good job. That was, I gave you some hard words, didn't I? <laughs> well, uh, this is the part that uh, Pam did a little study on this week, so uh, glad to hear you did that. The. Uh, <coughs> I did a little little history uh, lesson this week. <clears throat> so, some of you remember uh, af- after King Solomon. So, so, let me give you just a little more history lesson. <clears throat> who was who was Israel's first king? Does anybody know that? It was Saul. And he was more the people's choice. But who was Israel's second king? It was King David. And so King David was a man of war. And uh, he really, you know, a few hundred years earlier, under uh, after the children of Israel came out of Egypt, uh, uh, Joshua served with Moses. But Joshua... 
helped really establish the promised land and then there was a time of judges and there was a time of apostasy but you get into after Samuel was kind of the last of the prophet or uh, I'm sorry Samuel was the last of the judges he was really the the first of the prophets maybe I think it may have said Moses prophesied too. But anyway, uh, Samuel anointed Saul to be the king. And Samuel also anointed David to be king. And so David really established the promised land. And he desired to build a house for the Lord. But the Lord said, no, you're a bloody man. You're a man of war. But I am going to build you a house, David. And... uh, and establish him an eternal kingdom. There'll always be a king to set on the throne. And uh, so, who was David's son that was the next king? Solomon. It was King Solomon. And so Solomon uh, did. Uh, uh, and and I don't know if you know this. This, this is kind of cool. The the book of Psalms. Moses wrote probably one of the first Moses wrote two psalms Psalm 90 and 91 and uh, they think Hezekiah wrote a couple of the psalms and those those guys lived about a thousand years apart so the book of Psalms spans about a thousand years from Moses clear to Hezekiah and uh, uh, as it Hold on just a second here. I've lost my thought there. <clears throat> and uh, Solomon had a son. Now, do you know what Solomon's son's name is? This is getting a little trickier. Yeah. Jehoiakim and, uh, and uh, uh, Rahim. Uh, Rehoboam or something. Yep, Re- Rehoboam. Rehoboam. Oh, yeah, so Rehoboam was his son. And his son did something kind of foolish he said you know my my dad Solomon taxed you uh, he's worth but I'm going to tax you a thigh's worth like from the littlest body part to the biggest part and so he kind of drove the people away so the kingdom was divided under Rehoboam uh, and they, they were divided into the, the northern tribes and there was ten of them, and then the southern tribes was Judah. It was uh, the tribe of Judah was the primary, and then Benjamin, the two southern tribes. And the reason I'm telling you all this, I'm kind of leading up, is that uh, these ten northern tribes were taken captive, and I, I should have made this a little bit longer, in about 720, I think it was 721, uh, the Assyrians you might have heard of a guy named Shennacherib uh, he was the Assyrian general and uh, uh, his his name means night cherub so Shennacherib Shennacherib and uh, so the, these Assyrians were in power they were the world power until uh, and their capital was Nineveh. You remember Nineveh that Jonah prophesied at Nineveh, and uh, they had a great revival. And Nineveh 
because they accepted the Lord's message from Jonah, they survived another hundred years and uh, after Jonah's message. But uh, the Babylonians... Uh, Brian just read Nebuchadnezzar was the king. Well, I, I didn't really know it till this week, but Nebuchadnezzar's dad was also king, and Nebuchadnezzar's dad fought the Assyrians, and he he captured Nineveh, and uh, he captured Nineveh in about 612, and a couple years later, so. Then the Assyrians made Haran their capital, and uh, in 610, they they the Babylonians defeated the Assyrians, and uh, and and Babylon became the world power, and that's really when ne- that was like. I, I think there's a couple places where it says Jehoiakim's fourth year was Nebuchadnezzar's first year as king. So so anyway, Nebuchadnezzar and his dad were were active in battle. Uh, and I told you a little bit ago, uh, Josiah died in Megiddo, but, uh, but he died by the Egyptians. So the Egyptians were still a power. And uh, I think, so So what what Ben read there in, in verse... Two. I hope that's not too boring. Hopefully, it's flowing a little bit. But did you see that word in verse two? Uh, Charchemesh. Uh, that's what I had you put in your blank. Looks like car. C H. <clears throat> I think that or E S H. Charchemesh. Uh, you probably can't see it from where you're sitting, but that's clear up here. Carchemesh. And it's at the Euphrates River. So Brian read something about the Euphrates. So these Egyptians, they had defeated uh, Josiah in this valley of Armageddon, and they were clear up here at Carchemesh. And uh, there, there's a, a great battle up there. And that is what happened here in 605. So, anyway, uh, hopefully that makes sense. And uh, so, so that was going on while Nebuchadnezzar, because 605 is also famous, because that's when Nebuchadnezzar took uh, Daniel so anyway lots of lots of wars lots of skirmishes and uh, and then I even put you 596 that's when Ezekiel was taken into captivity I forget what I had here in 602 oh no I told you wrong this Charmesh was in 602 so anyway, I think that's right. Well, you have the Battle of was in 605 BC. Right. Okay. So maybe I did have it right. Oh, Let's leave it there at 605. I, I think that's what I, I read this week. Anyway, this, this was kind of a famous battle, and 
books. Uh, the thing I read was actually on Wikipedia. So anyway, it's uh, not only in our Bibles, it's, it's world news. So uh, let, let's jump down. Uh, what I had in verse... Let's look at verses 9 through 12. Chapter 46, 9 through 12. Does somebody want to read those for us? Angie. horses and rage, ye chariots, and let the and the Libyans that handle the shield For this is God of hosts, a day of vengeance, and he will avenge his adversaries, and the power, and it shall be satiate, and they drunk with their blood. For the Lord God of hosts hath a sacrifice in the country by the river Go up into Gilead, and take O virgin, the daughter of Egypt. In vain shalt thou use many medicines, for thou shalt not be cured. The nations have heard of thy shame, and thy cry hath filled the land. Mighty man have stumbled against the mighty, and they have fallen both together. Now, I told Pam earlier, uh, Pam Anderson, that you know I'm trying to understand the history of some of this, but th- this gets into the coming of the Lord because verse 10 that Angie read, for this is the day of the Lord, post a day of vengeance, and so I put I put the word vengeance in your blank there. Because the day of the Lord is a day of vengeance, and there, there's there's an end times. So so God recorded this his, historically for us to learn from, but He also wrote it for us. It kind of has a, a dual application because there's a a prophecy that it. Uh, these things are going to happen again in the future and and so there's this call to battle the Babylonians are coming down to defeat the Egyptians and uh, the verse that she read in verse 9 these Libyans and Ethiopians these these are like mercenaries so the Egyptians are hiring come help them that's, that's the way it is at the day when he returns again, the the nations of the earth uh, come to fight against uh, the battle of Armageddon uh, and the heavenly host uh, on the on the white horses. And my teaching point there, and this is kind of hard for all of us. The Bible teaches us that vengeance belongs to the Lord, and He says that He will repay. And in some ways, you know, this is encouraging, but all of us kind of want to get our pound of flesh, don't we? When, when somebody does us wrong, and I mean, I, I know Christians that are actively, and almost like they're sue happy, you know, they're, you know, I tripped and fell, I'm going to sue this store, I, you know, yeah. things like that, and you know, Early on, it was the lady that burned herself with McDonald's coffee and got however many hundreds of thousands of dollars. And so from then on, they have to put on their cups that it's this is hot. You know, <laughs> and it sounds silly now, but uh, anyway, um, I guess I'm not saying a Christian should never sue, but, uh, you know, 
Do you know what the word Laodicea means? It means rights of the people. And Laodicea is the lukewarm. And that word means rights of the people. You know, I grew up in the civil rights. You know, they're marching the streets. We want our rights. And I went through the gay rights. You know, we're we're gay and we're proud and we're you know we want our rights and there's always been the feminist movement and and last like five years though i feel like there's just everybody has rights i mean it's always yeah about some different group that has rights. yes and there's animal rights and activists and you know the green movement for the rights of the earth and and there's good in probably all of those but um but you know Pam was mentioned earlier where's God's rights in this and you know ultimately we want we want mercy we we don't necessarily want justice if if we go to court we want mercy we want grace and uh so God is the avenger here that you know uh revelation talks about that the blood of the martyrs uh it kind of it's kind of cumulative. I mean, a lot of these, you know, Revelation talks about God pouring out His wrath in the day of vengeance. And you picture just a big cup of wrath. And that's a reference to Jesus. You know, when He was getting ready to be crucified the next day in Gethsemane, He said, Lord, let this cup pass from me. He's talking about God's cup of wrath. You know, when Christ was on the cross, He died for our sins, didn't He? God poured out His wrath that we deserved on Jesus. And by rights, we deserve... But you know, the Bible says that Christians are not appointed to wrath. We, we have escaped the wrath to come. That When you say you're saved... The book of Romans says that you're saved from wrath. Uh, that's what being saved means. Yeah, you thinking of something? What was I saying that? Yeah. Just the great big picture of Jeremiah. Uh-huh. That's what it is kind of all about. Because Jeremiah, the whole book, Jeremiah never put his thoughts, his feelings, his anything... He, God appointed him to proclaim what he wanted the people to hear. Uh-huh. So all through Jeremiah, he proclaimed this, proclaimed mm-hmm. this, proclaimed this. And now 46 starts, it's going to be, so Jeremiah said, okay, you know, God has mm. said these things and you mm-hmm. totally ignored. So he, so, so from 46 to the end of Jeremiah, mm. He, those ten world powers uh-huh. mentioned, there's ten of them okay. uh, with Babylon in the end. He is showing judgment on these hmm. powers. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, Egypt, Moab. <coughs> uh, and so this is showing us that God, that's the vengeance. Hmm. God is going to pour that out. To all the world powers that uh, that were against God's mm. people, God's chosen people, and then the very end of Jeremiah, you know, over Israel. So that's good. He's storing up that wrath for this day of vengeance. It is. It will. He will bring down 
the powers. Yeah. Which would be Satan too. Um, yeah. So the big picture is. Yeah, and I remember, uh, I think it was Alan Shelby debating an atheist, and and the atheist pointed out something here that I think it was in Jeremiah. You know, the you know he was telling this preacher, you know, the Bible says that Babylon's going to be desolate. Well, you know, hey, Mister Alan Shelby, you know, Babylon's not desolate; it's still there today. And and Alan just kind of came back with, well, you know, God doesn't settle all His accounts in nineteen. 19- 96 or whatever year it was and so there's it's a future coming of so yeah good good thoughts and uh, anyway so some of these historical things are picturing future events and uh, Pam is right that the last section of Jeremiah, God, uh, Jeremiah is prophesying against these Gentile nations and powers uh, who can read let's see uh, let's jump down here just a little further I, I gave you a little bit of history there on your back and uh, let's do this because this is what I the board here the Assyrian capital of Nineveh was invaded by Babylon forces uh, in 612, so Assyrians moved their capital to Haran. In 610 BC, the Babylonians and ended the Assyrian Empire. So that that kind of made uh, well. Uh, well, let's read the rest of this. In 609 BC, was a battle in Megiddo with Pharaoh Necho. Where the uh, that's where Jeremiah was killed. So there, there's the reference of his battle. I thought I had it on here somewhere. And then this battle of Carmish. This this word here, that was in 605 B.C. It was Jeremiah's fourth year, Nebuchadnezzar's first year. He was king over Babylon. And so th- this is uh, Nebuchadnezzar's reign was 605 B.C. To 562. So, what is that? Forty uh, some years was the king of Babylon. After this victory, Babylon is now stretched from Egypt to Persia, and from Lydia to the Persian Gulf. And this battle of Carmish was about 18 years before the destruction of Jerusalem. Then, after about three years later, the king of Egypt came again against Babylon during the siege of Jerusalem. So they left temporarily to fight the Egyptians. We read about that in Jeremiah 37. So now Nebuchadnezzar now comes to Egypt for the third and final time and defeats them in verses 18 through 20. And I think I mentioned these hired men as a reference to mercenary from Ethiopia, Libya, and Lydia. We read Angie read that in verse nine, and they show up again later. And then God punishes Egypt, and He will deliver them into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar. And uh, this is what I wrote in your next your teaching point: is God punishes those who lead His people astray. Just the word punishes. And. Uh, 
God does a better job than we do at, at getting even, don't He? I mean, He, we we do better if He. So remind me of that if I ever try to get back at somebody. Uh, let's all look at that Matthew verse. I like this Matthew verse, and those of us that have children will like this verse in Matthew eighteen six. And this is really a reference where some people get the idea of having a guardian angel. Matthew 18. I believe this is the reference. And uh, I don't discount that. Uh, let's read 18.6. Uh, uh, Sarah, you want to read that? But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him than the sea. No, their angels do always. So this was. No, it says their angels do always. Yeah. So it's a reference to more than one angel protecting somebody. But, but, but hopefully that's comforting to all of us that, you know, kind of what it means to offend. We, we've studied this before. It, it's one thing to say, you know, I'm, I'm offended that, you know, somebody pulled out in front of me but really in the Bible offense means to uh, fall away like like if I teach you something false and if I cause your faith to fall away then, then there's a little bit of a, a curse on it if, if you cause people to fall away from the faith you know it's better that a millstone be put around your neck and turn into the, the depths of the sea so uh, the Lord, the Lord protects His own. He punishes those who who take lead His people astray. And uh, so now back to Jeremiah. <clears throat> Let me give you your blanks here. Let's just read on my handout uh, back in the back page. Uh, letter Roman numeral five: protection and restoration, promise to Israel. Uh, the words of a loving father. Uh, let, let's just read verse 27, 28. Uh, who, who hasn't read? Pam Jackson, would you read the last two verses of this chapter? <clears throat> but fear not thou, O my servant Jacob, and be not dismayed, O Israel. For behold, I will save thee from afar off, and thy seed from the land of your captivity. And Jacob shall return and be in rest and at ease, and none shall make him afraid. Fear not thou, O Jacob, my servant, saith the Lord, for I am with thee, for I will make a full of all the nations, whether I have driven thee, but I will not make a full of thee. The correct yet will I not be fully unpunished. Yeah. So there's a promise to the seed. And so that was encouraging to them. There's several promises, and also that God will return His people to their land. So, seed and return were your last two blanks. God will save His people from afar. And 
the land of captivity. So he's going to protect them over there in Babylon. God promises that his people will return to their land. God promises that he is with his people. That's why he made God with us. God promises the full end of the nations. Whether he has driven them, he will not make a full end of his people. And then uh, God corrects his people in measure, but he does not make a full end of them. So truly, you know, uh, what do we say in in court? We say, you know, don't do the crime if you can't do the time or something like that. Well, we in the justice system, we want the punishment to fit the crime. Well, well God does that. Perfectly. Man doesn't always do that perfectly. But and we need to do that with our children. We we need to discipline them in measure. <clears throat> and I gave my teaching point here is a good father disciplines his children. And uh, does anybody know what the other word for discipline is? Uh, it's chasten, Ch- chase, chastening, chastening. Uh, we talk about chastisement. Uh, this may not sound appropriate, but you've heard of a, a chastity belt. It, it it has to do with purity. You 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 chasten people to be be pure, and uh, so I give you an illustration here. We'll close with this this gold illustration. Gold in its natural state is full full of impurities. The process of purifying gold requires it to be heated until it melts. The fire burns off the impurities and leaves the gold, or the pure gold, behind. So, we in our natural state are full of impurities, sins, the flesh. Such is the purpose of infirmities, trials, and temptations in our lives. These turn up the heat so we melt before God and He burns off the dross. And I put a verse from Job, But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. But I think that's just a good illustration. You know, James talks about, you know, to count it joy when we fall in to fiery trials and, and diverse temptations for the trying of our faith worketh patience. And, uh, you know, be chastised uh, afterwards it, it yields a, a peaceable fruit of righteousness and we're, we're, we're better from having gone through it and anyway uh, was that that kind of click with you, everybody a little bit strong um, we are until we get in the heat He, he wants us to be tender-hearted and sometimes for, uh, we can be calloused and he has to kind of heat that up and melt off the impurities and, and refine us. So let, let's uh, pray. Thank you for joining us online. We're going to close out now and we'll pick up chapter 47. Off and let's, let's have a word of prayer and uh, we'll be dismissed. Uh, Lord in heaven, we bow before you. uh, Just uh, help us to take away from today what you have us to know. Thank you for each soul present that uh, made an effort to be here.
them. Father, we to fall into the hand of a living God and we don't want any to perish and so help us to be good ambassadors help us to uh, be like the watchman and he he uh, when the enemy come we need to, to others so help us this week to to sound that warning short we're uh, here for a reason help us not to be lukewarm like the Laodiceans it and Lord, uh, just uh, use these things to change us and uh, make us better servants. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 Hey, Jim, when are they going to want uh, the judges? Well, after the service, uh, I guess we're breaking down the table and chairs like, like normal. I'm sorry, what's that? We're breaking down the Are we? Today? I thought we was. Brian didn't say anything. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm asking too. I'm kind of panicking. Oh yeah, we're should be okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, after that, when that when the breaking down is going on, we're going to set up the the cups.